We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So how you doing? You ready for the word? You're going to let me preach till I'm done? You're going to do that? I, I, I'm trying to be real careful in first service not to go over time, but you don't care, right? Okay, so uh, so good to have you. You know the givings we're doing giving in the hallway again. Let me just express your giving, your generosity has been amazing, and it does help us to continue to do what we're doing. So you can give out in the hallway when service is over. You can do all those various things. You know, one things I keep hearing is people tell me, uh, and this is not the sermon, so you can't count this yet. Uh, one of the things people keep telling me, I'll just be glad when this is over, and that's rung in my head. And uh, it's dawned on me, did you you know in the Old Testament they have seasons, but in the New Testament it's time. In the New Testament Jesus says the time is coming and now is. The The New Testament doesn't talk about seasons. The New Testament talks about this is the time of the Lord's favor. This is kingdom time. I promise you we're going to get to heaven one of these days and Abraham's going to go, you missed it. You're going to get to heaven one of these days, and King David's going to go, you missed it. Elijah's going to look at some of us and go, the Spirit came and went on me, but in your time, he lived in you. Do you understand that we're living in the time of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you understand God doesn't come and go, that he doesn't visit us, but he resides on the inside of us? This is that time. Do not allow what's going on in the world to steal from you. This is your time. Do not allow the world to tell you what time it is. This is our time to be the voice of God. This is our time to manifest the presence of God. Just like Queen Esther said, for such a time as this. This is your moment. Don't, don't, I wish this was over. No, 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 no. If God hadn't trusted you to be alive in 2020, you wouldn't be here. You're here for this moment. You, you don't want to wish it away. You want to release who's on the inside of you. That's not even my sermon. Did you know he makes everything beautiful in his time? Hallelujah. Okay, that's not even my message. I, I, got, I, got, to get to the, I got to get to the word. Uh, I'm going to go to Psalm 23, and then I'm going to go to Ezekiel 37. That song that they sang at the beginning and what I had them do at the end, it inspired this message, at, and I, I, can't, I can't hardly get away from it. Um, Psalm 23, you know, it's that, that story where, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. That's a great, right? That's a, that whole uh, psalm there is powerful. And, and, and I wrote this the other day to you. Don't you wish you could just not have valleys? Everybody wants to live on the mountaintop and have those mountaintop, you know, have a valley-free life. You know, if I could preach seven steps, how to avoid the valley, you know, how to stay out of those moments. And yet, I really do believe we're in one of those valley moments. 
I believe we're going through one of those moments. And we, we like Psalm 23 as long as we're talking about green pastures and still waters. And, and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down and he leads me beside. We're happy with that part, but that whole valley thing would rather do without. Right? Would that whole, you know, you get your best food in the presence of an enemy. Everybody wants a good meal, but they don't want to be in the fire. Everybody wants to know God, but they don't want to get in the furnace. Everybody wants that great meal, but you got to understand that God serves you your best meal when the enemy thinks he's got you. That it's in the face of the enemy, that it's in the midst of the valley, that, that God reveals to you more of who he is. I want to say a couple things to you this morning, and that is, it's in the valley that God does his deepest work in you. It's in the valley that he changes your character. It's in the valley that he stretches you and you begin to see more about who he is. The Bible is filled with these stories of the, the going through the valley of weeping, go, going through the valley of tears. Did, did you know that Joshua won the victory in a valley? He didn't win the victory on the mountain. Moses was up at the mountain and there were people helping him keep his arms in the air. But Joshua was having to fight the Amalekites in the valley. You don't win the triumph on the mountain. You win it in the valley. Did you know the best fruit in the world is found in a valley? Do you know the fruit of the Spirit's developed when you're going through stuff? You need to understand that in the middle of the valley, most people are like, listen, I'm charismatic. In the midst of the valley, I, I'm a charismatic. I start pleading the blood. I start praying in tongues. I start casting out devils. Because this valley has to be a demonic manifestation. So I, I'm charismatic. I just go viral. When I'm going through tough times, I just, I just think it's all demonic. And then in the middle of the valley, what happens is I realize I'm there with the shepherd. That it is a work of God going on inside of me. And I've been wasting a lot of energy trying to destroy the enemy when it's God that's led me into this moment when I'm having to rely more on him than on. Oh, some of you are going, that can't be true. Sorry, I'm coming at you this morning. I'm coming right at you. We're going through a time of valley, but in the midst of the valley, he restores our soul. Can I tell you, he's restoring the soul of a church that's lost its way. That the church of the world of the 21st century has lost its way. And God's restoring her because she's going to have to cry out to God in the middle of this moment. It's in the midst of the valley that we know his comfort. It's in the midst of his valley that we really realize such greater things. He feeds us there. He anoints us there. Our cup runs over. Are you getting any of this? We read Psalm 23 when someone dies and we miss it. It's not about someone dying. It's about someone living. Amen. He, he, he overflow. We should be overflowing. I so loved what Kent said this morning. We should be overflowing. We should be the happiest people anybody in the world has ever seen. We shouldn't allow the circumstances that are going on in the world right now to rob us of our... But have you seen Christians right now? They are mad. They are angry. And we should be going... 
Did you know you have to go through the valley to get to his house? I mean, this psalm ends with, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Do you know the only way to the house is through? You got to go through the valley to get to the... You don't get translated there. He didn't get translated to the house. Never mind. He got translated to another job. I haven't got time. Say, this is the time of a valley. Thank God for this time. Thank God for this moment. The greatest valley story I know, they sang through it this morning, is Ezekiel 37. If you got a Bible, if not, the screen will catch up in a minute, right? We're, there you go. I love these first three words. God grabbed me. God grabbed me. It's the message Bible. Your, your Bible probably says something like the hand of the Lord. I like Eugene. I've known, I knew Eugene. And, and Eugene said, God grabbed me. I think God's grabbing the church. I think God was reaching out. Have you ever grabbed a child and said, look at me? Now you haven't had any grandkids yet. Hey, by the way, we had our 12th one. I got, I got the whole, Manny calls him sweet baby Lou. Lewis was born a couple weeks ago and we got the holy mess today and Manny's going sweet baby Lou and when you have your 12th one sweet baby I have good news for you in the middle of the evening news I have good news for you God loves you sweet baby Lou is an answer to a lot of prayer God grabbed me God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of a valley strewn with bones isn't it interesting how God's spirit will grab you and then make you look at what's going on in the valley he led me around among them and a lot of bones. Say a lot of bones. Okay, no, no, say it out loud. Lots. And there were bones all over the place, dry bones, bleached by the sun. He said, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Man, when you say the word prophesy, half the church goes, yes, and half the church goes, oh my God prophesy to these bones, these dry bones. Tell them to listen to the message of God. Oh God, the master told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing breath of life to you and you'll come to life. Look at your name and say, watch this. Watch this. Hmm. I could preach on watch this. I'll attach suins to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin, breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I'm God. Glory. Look at somebody say, you may be dead now, but wait. I always used to think, you know, we used to talk about the frozen chosen, the dead church. Now you say, good, that's the place God works best. <laughs> I prophesied just as I'd been commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, say a sound. Do you know the sound doesn't come before the prophecy? You didn't hear me. Some of you Pentecostals need to get this. The sound follows the prophecy. Sound doesn't precede the prophecy. Oh, the rustling or the rattling. The bones moved and came together bone to bone. And I kept watching. Suins formed and muscles on the bones. The skin stretched over them, but they had no breath. And he said to me, prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath of God. Can you imagine telling the breath of God? Come from the four winds. Come, breathe. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And the breath entered them and they came alive. And they stood up on their feet like a, a what? Do you know God can make armies out of dead stuff? God grabbed me. I want you to hear me. God's trying to grab the church. Jesus said in John chapter 10, nothing can take you out of my hands. Nothing can snatch you out. Man, if God ever gets a grip on you, nothing's going to rip you out. 
Think about it. God said, I'm going to grab you, and nothing's going to take you out of my grip. Say with me, I'm in his grip. I'm in his embrace. He has got his arms around me. He has grabbed a hold of me. And now he's making me look at something that's dead. Isn't it interesting how God always makes you look at some stuff that you don't want to see? But God will hold you while he's showing it to you. Have you ever had to look at something you didn't want to see, but you knew you were embraced with the power of God? I've had to hold some things I didn't want to hold, but I knew God was holding me while I was holding that child. Oh, you didn't get it. I ought to explain it to you, but I haven't got time. When you have to hold a child that's not breathing, you need God to hold you. God will hold you while he shows you stuff that's dead. He'll hold you. You never want to misunderstand that your location dislocates you from God. Listen, there is no place that God says, I ain't going there. There is no place you go that God says, I, I, I won't. You need to understand that God is with you in the midst of these dry bones. He's with you in the midst of the valley. That his presence is greater known right there. That God crosses, crosses all thresholds to be in whatever thing you're in. Amen. He moves across those imaginary lines. It cannot end here, Ezekiel. It cannot end with Israel, my children, being dead. Ezekiel, it cannot end here where people are in captivity of the Babylonian Empire. These children had gone into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar and they had died in captivity. But he picks up Ezekiel and says, I want you to see this. It ain't over yet. It cannot be over with that death. It cannot be over with that situation. I've had to stand by gravesides and say to myself, it ain't over yet. I've had to stand in places I didn't want to stand. I've had to hold children I didn't want to hold and say, this is not the end. I've had to be in those places, and that's one of the greatest places of the manifestation of the power of God. you got to understand, Lazarus, it ain't over. Jairus, it is not over. David, it's not over. Abraham, I don't care how dead your body looks. It is not over. Listen, Ezekiel, I made Abraham a promise that his children would live in the land and his children would sit on the throne. It ain't over. We need to hear that God will show us and let us see the empty tomb. He'll show us the broken bones. He'll let us see that. But listen, I'd rather be with Jesus in the midst of a valley than on top of a mountain alone. Some of you like those mountaintop experiences and you don't recognize that God's with you more in the middle of that valley than he is on the mountaintops of your life. Now, I don't want to go without the mountains. I'm just trying to say to you, it's time that we realize that God is grabbing us in the middle of these moments and that he's comforting us and he's with us. And he looks at Ezekiel and he said, you need to understand something. I gave a promise to someone much older than you. I gave a promise to your ancestors and that promise will never fade away. I love what David said. I would have lost heart. I would have lost confidence unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God while I was living on this earth. Listen, as long as you are living here, if it ain't good, it ain't over. If it's not the manifestation of the promise, it ain't over. I want you to look at this. I know it's dead, prophet, but it ain't over yet. I want you to understand no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the valley is, no matter how you feel, God's still working. You sang it, but it's easy to sing. It's a little more difficult to live. It's easy to stand here and sing it. 
But you don't want to just be satisfied with singing it. You want to live the reality of it that in the midst of this valley that I'm going through, God has grabbed me. And the reason why I can walk through this time is because God's got a hold of me in a way that nothing is going to get me out of his hand. I love the next question. I I love it when God asks questions. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? I want to look at some children sometime and go, where are you? Where's your... Or, Or look at and say, where's your brother? That's a good question. Where's your brother? Where'd you leave him at? Where, where did you disassociate from? Where did you break that relationship at? What, what was it that happened that you no longer talked to? See, I don't think anyone in here is a murderer, but you have left relationships because they didn't do or you expected or... Good question. Where was that, friend? Where's that relationship? What's that? Listen, divorce isn't the worst thing in the world. Refusing to forgive someone you lived with, that's the worst thing in the world. Where is? Where is your brother? I, or this, who do you say that I am? Good question, right? Who, not, not who your denomination says. Who do you say? Or I love the one in Matthew 22 when he says, when you think of the Christ, what do you think? When you think of Jesus, what do you think? Say, well, what do you think? Not what I think. What do they think? What do, what do you think? When you think about Jesus, nothing is better than you. Nothing When you think about Jesus, do you think about him as being a slot machine? You put a quarter in and get whatever you want? That's what a lot of people in the latter 20th century think. They put a slot machine in Jesus, pull his arm, and bam, they get their car. Jesus isn't no slot machine. He's not no Walmart. Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our companion that has grabbed a hold of us and walks us through moments in life that we would never make alone. What do you think of? I love this question. Can these bones live? Can, can, can that dead dream of yours live again? Can that marriage live again? Can, can we survive what's going on in the world right now? Will we ever go back to normal? Can, can we, do, is there a future and a hope? Can these bones live again? And I love this tone of Ezekiel. Well, only you know. I, you know, have you ever, can these bones, I, th- I think if you really hear it, you, you see something like, maybe, maybe. I, it's interesting to me how God will work with your maybe. You know, you'll never get to great faith unless you got a little bit of maybe faith. I wished every time God spoke to me, I went, Yes! But I got to tell you, that isn't what happens to me. I got to tell you, when I'm going through tough times, most days I've got a, well, maybe. I get frustrated with people that are so certain about their faith. Because it ain't true. It isn't true. Faith is never absent of fear. Ever. There's always Listen, I always stand in front of you a little shaky. I always stand in this place humbled that God would use this boy. I, I, I get nervous about people that are so confident that they're arrogant. I get nervous. I've been around them, but I get nervous. I got to tell you, I, I love Ezekiel when he goes, 
And, and I think God uses that mustard seed faith in ways that we don't celebrate. I think we're so busy trying to get people to have great faith that we don't celebrate when they go, eh. I think God's saying, can you change your imagination? I think God's really saying, can you imagine these bones living again? Can you, can you imagine can you see it from a different perspective? I've got you. Will, will you just give me, just give me, maybe? Could, some of you this morning, I just want to go, could, could you just in the face of all the crap that's going on, just go, maybe? Uh, boy, you're quiet. I'm just looking for maybes. I'm just looking for baby Christians. You're not listening to me. After nearly 40 years of ministry, 50 years of serving the Lord, I'm still a beginner. There are no veterans of the faith. I have to get up every morning and be a child. Unless you become a child. I'm still a child when it comes to, listen, when you're handed this thing that was supposed to breathe, but it's not breathing, that's life. Can this live? Who? Maybe, maybe this is a moment when we do what Paul says, and when I am weak, I don't know about you, but I have felt weak in the knees a few times in the last few weeks. There's been moments in my life when I thought, I don't know if I can stand here. But maybe I love Jonathan. Kent, I love Jonathan, you know, the would-be king that gave it up for the shepherd boy. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and goes, I'll tell you what, boy. That's a big army and ain't nobody else but you and me. But if we go up that mountain, maybe the Lord will work for us. Maybe. What would you do with a maybe? A maybe the Lord would work for us. Well, what if we could just go, maybe the Lord's doing something in your life and in my life that's bigger than we can imagine. And maybe it just takes a couple of us. Maybe. Maybe I could step out on a word from the Lord and watch the water grow solid. Maybe. Maybe. It seems good. Seems. Are you kidding me? I'm about to go on the mission field and I'm doing it by a, well, it seems. It just seems good. I, I don't have a definitive word from God. I have a maybe. Just, just might. Could it be? I want us to be real honest as a church this morning. We could live on the maybes. We could move forward with just, I love Paul. Or Peter, when he goes, I perceive that God shows no respecter of person. And he's talking about Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. I mean, it is, it is massive. The only reason you're here, unless you were born in Israel and I don't know it, the only reason you're here is because Peter, the loudmouth, stupid one, that guy, he went, I perceive. I think maybe it's possible that those people could be saved. Just say maybe. Say, I'm standing on a maybe. It's all I got, but I'm standing on it. I'm standing on it. 
Some of you are going, I feel better about myself. See, some of you have been feeling bad about yourself because you've been trying to have great faith. No, just use the little you got. Just, just use the, just the, maybe I could forgive them. Maybe I could go to counseling. Maybe. See, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you saying this is not theoretical. Maybe you could forgive that person. Amen. Maybe you could get over that. Maybe, maybe, oh, this one, first service applauded. I, I, maybe you could start tithing. I got two amens. That's all I'm going to get, right? Maybe I could give it away instead of worship it. See, until you can give it away, it's your idol. Whatever you hold on to, it's your idol. Your reputation, it's your idol. Maybe, maybe here in the midst of this valley, maybe. Do, do you remember the story about how Israel is walking through the valley and the evil dude hired Balaam to curse him? Do you remember that? That, that here's Israel coming back in, and, and so they hire Balaam, the witch doctor, to curse him. But the Bible says God turned the curse into a... Did you know God could turn the stuff that other people are saying into a blessing because the curse is going to be reversed back onto whoever said that stupid thing? Some of you need to be careful about the stupid stuff you're saying. Because it doesn't go to where you think it goes. Because when you're blessed, you can't be cursed. Everybody in here, I go, I'm blessed. Highly favored. Uh, in the valley, God grabs us and He shows us how horrible stuff is. Listen, you, you, you have to recognize that in every generation, she's challenged by difficult things. I was raised and shaped mostly by grandparents who lived through a depression and lived through World War II. I can remember them talking about going down and getting a commodity. I can remember them talking about the rations. Some of you don't understand. That book is filled with the words, suffer like this and you'll be glorified with me. Some of you don't understand that that Bible talks about sacrifice more than my personal rights. Listen to me. You have not heard the word. You've heard somebody's taintedness of the word. It's still about dying for others. It's still about giving up oneself for the sake of the whole. That's the essence of this thing. Can this live again? About 17, 18 years ago, I began to believe that God could make the church one. And can I tell you that 99.9% .9 of the church said it'll never happen. Hmm. It's dead. Do you see it? God will show you how bad it is. And then he'll say to you, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I mean, he'll show you, he'll let you see, and then he'll say, now speak to it. He didn't say post. <laughs> he didn't say debate. He didn't say argue. You don't talk about a mountain, you speak to a mountain. You don't talk about a giant, you speak to a giant. You, you, don't, you don't talk about a virus, you speak to a virus. You don't talk about how other people are dealing with it, you talk to it. You, 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 you listen to me. He'll grab you, he'll show you how bad it is, and then he'll say, now speak to it. 
Don't talk about it. Just speak right to it. Just prophesy. Anytime I say prophesy, I'm telling you, half the church just gets nervous. <laughs> Prophecy is not a foretelling. No, 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 no. Listen. Oh, we don't do that. I, was, I don't believe in prophecy. Well, you need to deal with 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that says, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. You need to deal with verse 3 that says, when you prophesy, you edify, you uplift, and you comfort. That every prophecy is not a judgment of sin, but it's a declaration of God's commitment and promise and love to you that he's working for you and not against you. We need more people that understand what real prophecy is. Just can't spoke at edifying word to you this morning. He's, and God, prophesy, Ezekiel. I know it feels bad. I know it looks bad. I know you don't feel anything. I know you've been in captivity and your children and your ancestors have all died, but I need you to prophesy. No, I don't, I don't have a word. I don't, I don't, I don't. Ezekiel, you don't understand. I gave Abraham, your great, 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 great granddaddy, a promise. I promised people in your past that they would live in a land, they would have children, and that prophecy, that promise is your prophecy. Prophecy is not, bam, I got a word from God. Prophecy is, I remember the word. Do you understand that every promise in here is a prophetic utterance of your future? And some of you are waiting for God to hover over your bedpost and tell you something, and it's laying on your nightstand right there. All you got to do is pick it up and say what God said. I'm the head, not the tail, above and not below. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. Great will be the peace of my children. I am more than an overcomer. I can do all things. Guess what I just did? I just prophesied to dead people sitting You want to be a prophet? Get in the Bible. Get in the Word. Just speak the Word. Go ahead, Ezekiel. In the face of death, go ahead and speak life to it. Speak it until it's hidden in your heart. Speak it until you meditate it. Speak it until the Word is more real than what you see or hear on CNN or whatever. Choose the promise over the problem that you're living in. Don't allow the problems in this world to challenge the prophetic promise that you have. Take the prophetic promise that you have and challenge the current problems of the moment and you'll go out. Listen, you can call things that are dead to be alive. Go ahead, Ezekiel. Speak the word. Some of you are looking at me like, see, this issue is not about politics. It's about whether or not the church is going to be prophetic. Church has sold her soul to politics. It ain't about politics. It's about whether or not we are going to stand up and speak the word of God and let the chips fall wherever they fall. I don't know where they're going to fall because my faith is not in that. My faith is in the promise that comes from God. And I'm going to speak in the middle of it the prophetic word of God. Rise up, O church, and come alive to the reality that God's for you and not against you. And that if you're dead, it ain't over yet. But see, that might mean you might have to separate yourself from certain things. But it's interesting. He said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And I heard a noise. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm hearing something. 
I think I'm hearing something. Come on. You remember that song those, the kids are singing now about that rattle? I'm hearing something. I, I'm hearing something rattling. I'm hearing, I ain't hearing them all. I'm not hearing Lester. I'm hearing a rattle going on. I'm not hearing Nora. I'm hearing a rattling going on. I'm not hearing what they're doing in debates. I'm hearing a rattle going on. I'm not hearing what he said, she said, they said. I hear this rattle going on because I'm prophesying to something and it's beginning to... Oh, you're just, uh, I don't hear it. It's because you ain't prophesying. <laughs> just speak to that thing. Oh, dead bones, God says you're going to live. God says that promise is not dead. Abraham, you're not too dead. Lazarus, you're not too dead. Jairus' daughter, you're not too dead. America, you're not too dead. You could stand up and speak the word of God and watch it come back. You could. I'm grabbed by God this morning. And I know it looks bad. But the answer is in the prophetic promise of God that the church would stand up and say, I have an exceedingly great and precious promise from God. And I'm going to participate in the realities of who he is in my time. I ain't waiting until it leaves. I'm going to be, oh my God. See, in the middle of the valley, it's not about just getting through the valley. It's about becoming who God called you to be. In the middle of the valley, God creates inside of you who he is so that as he is, so are you in this world. God will give you a word, a promise, and then it'll roll in and it'll look like it's dead. Unless a seed falls in the ground, it remaineth alone. But if it dies, it shall spring forth. You need to understand that we had the sentence of death within us, but we had that that we might not trust in ourselves, but might trust in the God because we believe that he who promised is able to fulfill that which he promised. Listen to me. It might look like all hell has broke loose, but can I tell you that in the midst and out of that is going to come the greatest manifestation of the kingdom of God that this planet has ever seen. I got four people in the back going, oh, I got that. <laughs> Use the prophetic promise to challenge the problems in your life and it'll empower you in the present. Man, I'm hot. I am up here just sweating like a... <laughs> Come on. Don't you remember when he said, boys, we going to the other side. It's Mark chapter 4, and in the first part of Mark chapter 4, he said, if you get this parable, you get everything. He said, I'm going to sow the seed, the word, in your heart, and the enemy's going to come to steal that promise. The enemy's going to come to steal that prophecy. I got prophecies written down that are 40 years old. I have files. Ask Annie. I have files of prophetic words prophesied over me. I have files of them. I was in one of the most depressed states of my life because my father had died. And three prophets came that year and started telling me I was going to preach around the world. I couldn't get out of bed. Every time I'd turn around, there'd be some other dude show up in Derby Pentecost Holiness Church prophesying over how I was going to pastor this great church and I was going to have a minister who goes around the world. And I can remember going home mad. I needed something to comfort the grief I was having. I needed somebody to feel sorry for me. Have you ever just needed somebody to recognize that you're, you just don't feel? You're probably sitting in this room waiting for him to say something that makes you feel better. <laughs> and I get these words about what it's going to do. And I go home and think, <sighs> I woke up 10 years later and was in this building. 
Sometimes God gives you a word that ignores what it is you think you want. Because if God's telling me that I'm going to go around the world, then I'm obviously going to live through this grief. But I so silly, I missed the part. And I'd wake up places and go, that's a real word. That's a real word. Did you know Paul says you can take your prophetic promise? First Timothy chapter 1.18, he said you can take the prophecies that have been previously spoken over you, Timothy, and you can wage war with that prophecy. Well. You can take the promises of God and you can beat the devil in the head over that promise. Because if that promise hasn't come to pass, it ain't over yet. Oh, until it comes to pass, hey, let's go over to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And he gets in the boat and goes sleep. Remember this? And these experienced fishermen, I have been on the Sea of Galilee many times. It's not that big. You can see from These experienced fishermen who have fished in this lake, have obviously been in storms before, they are about ready to wet their pants. Because this storm comes up. Can you imagine this? Just imagine this conversation. John, he loves you the best. You wake him up. I ain't waking him up. <laughs> or, I mean, Pete. You're number in a box. You went, I ain't waking him up. I mean, and nobody goes, wait, nobody wants to trouble. And finally they wake him up and, and here's their, do you not care that we are perishing? Why is God letting this go on? Why did this happen? Don't you care? You know how many people get stuck in, don't you care? And Jesus looks at him and said, I don't understand. I just told you that you sow the word in the ground and it comes up and again. I just told you that the way you hear is the way it's going to be measured back to you. I just told you that and then I said to you, we're going to the other side. And if I tell you we're going to the other side, I don't care whether you got to go through hell and high water. We are going to the other side. Why are you bothering me? You could have stood up on the front of this boat and looked at that storm and said, Jesus said we're going to the other side. Either through you, under you, around you, but whatever we're going to do. You have a word from God that says you're going to have life and life abundant. I don't care what the storm is, what the virus is, what the ism is. I don't care what it is. You can just stand up and say, he told me we were going over it, so we are going over it. We're going through this valley. It's up to you to stand up and... It isn't in the text, but I can hear the Lord going, well, we're going to have to repeat this lesson. We're going to have another challenge. And we're going to see. Do you know, God will just hit repeat. He'll just do repeat. Well, we have to teach that. Come on, I got teachers sitting in here. I could bring Alan up here and he'd tell you, he's had to teach that same lesson over and over and over to the same bunch of dummies. You just have to. I, I keep looking back at my notes over 40 years and go, well, I taught that in June of 91. I taught it again in 97. I taught it again. I mean, I've had people come and go, I've heard you preach that before. And I said, yeah. Did you know when I first came here, I preached out of 1 John chapter 4, for God is love. I preached that for 13 weeks. <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. We did all three. Everybody came to all three. And I preached 1 John chapter 4 for 13 weeks. You know who I'm talking about. That ain't funny. I preached it for 13 weeks. And finally, my organ player, 
She sat right there, a little bitty church. She sat right there every week and prayed the piano and the organ. And, and, and on Sunday morning, she walked in. She came in with her big study Bible. She threw it down on my desk on a Sunday morning. She goes, I just heard the most amazing message I've ever heard in my life. I said, really? She said, yeah, on the way to church this morning, listen, she lived six blocks from church. On the way from home to church, she did. She lived in Carryville. We were on 10th Street. It couldn't have taken her nine minutes to get there. She said, I listened to the most amazing message on the radio this morning. And she told me the name of the guy that preached it. And she said, she threw that Bible down. She opened it up to 1 John chapter 4. She went right, God is love. She said, can you believe that? That's the most amazing word I've ever heard. I had preached 13 weeks. Obviously not well. She picked up that Bible. She walked out. And the Lord said, you can move on to the next sermon. (laughs) So I just want you to know if you've heard everything I have to say, there's probably somebody in here that's just waiting 13 weeks to get it. So you just be praying for everybody in the room to get what I've said. And then I can move on to the next sermon. If he said to go to the other side, look at your name and say, I'm going over this. Uh-uh, this is not, uh-uh. You boys can speak for yourself. Why didn't you get up and stalk the, oh, come on. Come on. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. You didn't hear me. Why is it that we missed that? We just didn't listen close enough. We just didn't hear it. It didn't say what we wanted it to say. It said something else. But contained in the something else is this that we... I love Paul. Paul's going, boys, 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 boys. Last night, an angel of God visited me. (laughs) This is a ghost story. An angel of God visited me in whom I believe. And he told me that I had to stand before Caesar in Rome. And thus, because God is good to you because of me, you're not going to die in this storm. We're going to the other side. (laughs) Because an angel of the Lord told me that I had to go there, you're going to get there too. Do you know it takes one person in this room? Just one. Sometimes you ought to stay in church because you ain't got no faith, but somebody in the room's got a little maybe. And because of their little maybe, you might get through. Are you who? I have had those moments. I have preached during those moments. (laughs) Brad, I have preached so many times I didn't have any faith. But other people were sitting out in the congregation praying for me to have faith. And so I'd have these bold, I just can't believe that, Pastor. (laughs) Well, you're such, never mind. (laughs) Say, maybe, maybe God will grab you. Maybe God will tell you to speak to it. I got seven minutes. (sighs) Maybe. (laughs) She's listened to me too long. (laughs) She sat there. Wait, maybe. I, I never know when I'm going to be done. Neither does. But I'll be done when I'm done. And I ain't done yet. I mean, you'd think you was done here, right? God grabbed me. He showed me how bad it was. He told me to speak to it. And they came together. But this part. Prophesy to the breath. Now, wait a minute. God breathed. God is the breath. God is spirit. Prophesy to the wind. How do you prophesy to wind? He's already told him it comes from somewhere, goes somewhere, you don't know where it goes. But now he's saying, you could control the wind. This is crazy. 
Jesus stood up and the wind stopped. He looks at Ezekiel and says, you can speak to the wind. You can speak to my spirit. You can speak to my breath. You can ask my breath. You can ask me to re-inhabit. Oh, you need, this is prophesying back to God. This isn't speaking to the mountain. This is speaking to the God. He said, just talk to me. Just ask me to be in that. Ask me to come and live in you. Ask me to breathe again into that area of your life. Go ahead. You can not only talk to mountains, you can talk to me. And when you talk to me, and when you say back to me, if you ask me to breathe into that area of your life, I'll breathe into that marriage. I'll breathe into that grief. I'll breathe into that economy. I'll breathe into that nation. I'll breathe into that church. I'll breathe into that. Just ask me. Listen to me. He said, if I go away, it's to your advantage because I'll send my spirit, my helper, my comforter. All you got to do, Paul goes, have you received? Have you asked for his breath? Oh, but I don't want to talk in tongues. Listen, once he comes in, you won't care what you talk in. If there's nothing better than him, you won't care what the Baptist and the Methodist and the Pentecostals say. Because once he comes in, honey, you ain't dead no more. Once he comes in, you ain't grieving no more. Once he comes in, who cares what they say on television? Oh, yeah. Listen, we need to become the most prophetic. We need to become the most Pentecostal. We need to become people commanding the Spirit of God to come on dead things. We need to stop being caught up in the shallow, marginal things that America is caught up in. And we need to return to the heart of the matter and call the Spirit of God into areas of our lives that have been dead for far too long. You're not hearing me. I want God to breathe on me. I want God to come into areas that I have forgotten. I want those areas where I have given up. I want God to come into that area and breathe breath. Breathe, oh God, just blow again. Just, 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 I mean, he's grabbed me. He's showing me how dead it is. And I've had enough maybe that I could, I could talk to it. I'm talking to it. But don't stop by talking to it. Don't, don't get caught up on talking to it. You get tired of talking to it. I mean, you know it. You get tired of it. But honey, when you start commanding the Holy Spirit, you can't command the Holy Spirit. He said, command ye my hand. That is exactly what he said. When you start speaking to God like you're part of God, because I'm part of God and God's part of me. We live and move and have our being. We're so united you can't tell where one ends and one begins. I've been crucified yet I, oh it's not me, it's him. I can talk to God like I'm talking to me and I'm just talking to me and talking to God. Breathe oh God into this. You're looking at me like a dog with a new dish. huh? Hallelujah. Breathe into America again and let the argument stop. Listen, I'm breathing on scientists. I have no problem with a scientist coming up with a vaccine. In fact, God help them. What? Listen, the greatest man of faith I know built a hospital. I don't know that. I know. 
breathe into scientists, breathe into doctors. I don't care whether you work a miracle through a vaccine or you just stop the thing cold. I don't care. Either way, save lives. I don't care how God does it. He can spit in your eye. I don't care. You didn't get it. I mean, if he can spit in your eye and give you sight, he can give you a shot and do the same thing. I don't care. Because I love people. I don't care. I ain't into no argument. Breathe, Holy Spirit. Breathe into a scientist. Breathe into a politician. Breathe into the dead. Listen, I got lots of politicians that are dead. Breathe. Oh, some of you ought to be going. I know lots of church people that are dead. But I'm still breathing on them. Isn't it interesting? Now listen, don't you misunderstand this? Because I'm under authority. Anybody here under authority? How many of you are under authority? Then you need to shut up. Because if the authority says, you need to shut up. You can't listen to one side of the Bible and not the other. But now listen to me. Isn't it interesting? So I said that to do this. They don't want us breathing on anybody. I made up my mind. I put this thing on, but I'm still breathing. You don't, you didn't get it. The devil's trying to stop us from breathing. Listen, the breath of God is not stopped by a mask. The power of God is not stopped because I put this on. I can stand here and be as uncomfortable as this stupid thing makes me feel, but God, I am bigger than this mask. I'll just keep preaching the word even behind this mask. If they tell me I got to do it, look at here. I'm subject to the authority, but watch this. I know authority above and beyond that. Don't get caught in the wrong argument. Don't. It did. It, it, it. I'm prophesied through the mask. I can prophesy over the mask. I can prophesy around the mask. I don't care. I'm not going to get caught up in marginal issues. I'm just going to breathe, Holy Spirit. Breathe into dead things. Let them move again. Now they're trying to contact trace. They're going to look at some people and go, how'd you get, how'd you get over that? Well, you trace it back. If you keep tracing healing back, yeah. oh, you're not listening to me. If you keep tracing the miracle back, yeah. come on, Christian, maybe we ought to contact trace the miracles. Yeah. Let's just, how'd you get healed? Let's, say, how'd you, let's, let's contact trace that back. Right. You're not, you're, 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 I'm having too much fun with you. Your heads are going, where is he at now? Breathe. To the wind, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Speak to the spirit of God, and the virus can stop, and the racism can stop, and America can become one again, and the church can become whole again, and we become the people of God, and we pass through a valley, and we end up who on the other side of this thing. What time is it? It's valley time. It's valley time. <laughs> and in the midst of the valley, I'm comforted. And I'm restored. And I'm fed. And mercy's tackling me. In the midst of the valley, I... Yeah, but pastor, what, what if? Okay. Okay. 
If you die in this valley, dig a well. Go, go back to the valley of weeping. They dug a well so the next generation could get through the valley. Okay. Okay. So if you die in your valley, leave a well for the people that come behind you. That's all right. Some of the stuff I know I'm believing, my children are going to live in. Some of the stuff, some of the promises, my grandchildren are going to walk in. And they're going to be, they're going to be God grab them and say, do you remember what God said to your great great that daddy? I'm going to leave a journal or two. And like the year 2102, my great-grandchildren is going to open up my journal, open up my Bible, and it's going to say right there, God promised me. Ezekiel, God promised Abraham, speak to them bones. Speak to them bones. Because I know God's not just about today. He's about tomorrow, the next generation. You live your life in such a way that your grandchildren can read your journals and stand on those promises. Oh, well. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Did you know that? I'm sorry. I'm... Romans chapter 5 says, And the love of God was shed in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that if, you, if the breath of God blows into hearts, we will become the greatest lovers of all time? But the greatest manifestation of the Holy Spirit is that we love each other that we love our neighbors, that we love our enemies. Listen, breathe on the Spirit of God and he'll, he'll, he'll bring love into your life. Love that never fails, love that never ceases, love that conquers all things, love that heals, love that... I'm praying for the breath of the Spirit to pour out His love on you so much. He showed me how dead it was. He asked me to speak to it. Then he challenged me to ask him to breathe, to shed his love in my life. That's what happens in valley time. In valley time. Hmm. When you walk out of this valley, you're going to be the best lovers there ever was. To see us as the greatest lovers, the greatest forgivers, filled with joy. Stand with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.